Hey everyone, it's Michael. I'm the creator of the Backwoods Radio Show, and I just wanted to take a second to thank you all for listening to this first season. You have no idea how much it means to me that anybody is listening to this show. Like seriously, I made the first couple episodes just on a whim during a period where I had severe insomnia and nothing better to do at four in the morning. I made them for fun and I just threw them out there not expecting anybody to listen to them. Even if one person had listened to the show, that would have blown my mind. And the fact that I've seen my audience grow a little bit more with each new episode that I release, I mean, it seriously means the world to me. And I know I have each and every one of you to thank for that because many of you have recommended the show to friends, left the show positive reviews on iTunes, and some of you have even shared the show on social media and things like that. And because of that, you've really helped me build up my audience. And while my audience is still pretty small, those of you who are listening are just like the coolest bunch of people. You all have good, twisted senses of humor. Some of you reach out to me just to throw me a compliment, and that's something I never really expected to get on the internet. I really mean it when I say thank you so much for supporting the show and continuing to listen to it throughout this first season, and I hope you'll tune in for season two when it premieres in a few months. And now, I hope you'll enjoy the finale of season one. Greetings, listeners. Welcome. Welcome to... Sorry. I'm having trouble concocting an intro here. As you can probably tell from my teeth chattering, it's extremely cold in here. Usually we average about 87 degrees this time of year, but today the town is blanketed in snow and the temperature is... 20 degrees below zero. Which means our worst fears have come true. Wendigo Joe has indeed reverted back to his primal form, transforming back into a bloodthirsty Wendigo. But I've never let a little snow or a rampaging Wendigo stop my show before, and I don't intend to start now. But before we dive into the show, I just want to go over the lost and found right quick. We just have one item in the lost and found this week. And it's kind of strange. I found this item on my desk of all places, but I don't know whose it is or where it came from. It's a very unique dagger. The handle is made out of some sort of antler and the blade itself appears to be forged out of pure silver. This definitely isn't just any old run-of-the-mill hunting knife used for cutting the throats of tourists. Something about it just seems... I don't know important? Anyways, if this is your dagger, or if you know whose dagger it is, come on down to the radio station and pick it up. We'll keep it safe for you. Now, I better go get some kindling for the fire and get the radio station warmed up. By kindling, of course, I mean I'm gonna go gather up a few of my interns and shove them into my big old cast iron wood-burning stove. 
I know it's probably called a wood-burning stove for good reason, but I find that human beings burn just as well in there. And plus, it fills the studio with a nice aroma you just can't get with a log. I'm Squatch Ronson, and you're listening to the Backwoods Radio Show. Bloodthirsty Wendigo is rampaging across Dog Snout County, bringing with it an arctic chill that has left the town covered in a thick sheet of ice. Snow continues to fall at an alarming rate, already having reached nearly four feet in height, and it shows no sign of stopping anytime soon. Countless Dog Snoutians have been snowed into their homes without food, water, or power, and many have turned to eating their beloved sex slaves. Here in Dog Snout County, we treasure our sex slaves. We treat them a lot better than, say, the interns I keep locked up in dog cages in my cellar. Most folks in town give their sex slaves comfortable, skin-tight leather pajamas and a nice little hole to sleep in, and many even allow them to use a pillow. So when townsfolk start eating their sex slaves, you know the situation is serious. At this rate, it's only a matter of time before they start eating each other. And while we are certainly not adverse to cannibalism here in Dog Snout County, we never eat our own. The cannibalizing of cannibalism practicing cannibals is seen as a sin here, and in fact, it's one of our two commandments. The first commandment is never talk to the feds, and the second commandment is never eat other cannibals. But desperate times call for desperate measures, and I do hope we get this Wendigo Joe situation under control before all of Dog Snout County ends up eating itself like Ouroboros. As if being trapped in an arctic purgatory weren't bad enough, There's also the threat of Wendigo Joe himself. We all expected this here Wendigo to slaughter some folks in town, but what has caught many by surprise is the creative way in which he's doing it. Wendigo Joe isn't simply using his claws to disembowel folks and feast on their organs. Instead, he seems to be making Christmas decorations out of them. Reports have come through the line that Wendigo Joe has been seen decapitating residents of Dog Snout County and placing their severed heads on top of pine trees across the land, like some sort of morbid Christmas tree star. I'm actually looking out my window right now and I can see at least two dozen trees with severed human heads placed on top of them, painting the trees red with the blood that's oozing out of their throat cavities. But that's not the only decorating Wendigo Joe is doing. Other reports indicate that countless townsfolk have been transformed into ice statues upon stepping outside, confirming that this arctic chill is some form of dark magic rather than just a simple cold front. To make matters worse, witnesses have reported seeing Wendigo Joe turn these residents into ice sculptures. Now that may sound redundant given the fact that they already were human ice sculptures, but let me clarify. These poor souls were frozen solid by the arctic chill, transforming them into a stone-like statue made entirely out of ice. What Wendigo Joe has been doing is taking a chainsaw to their frozen bodies and sculpting them into works of art, shaving them down and morphing them into things such as swans and lions. Admittedly, the sculptures are quite beautiful, and Wendigo Joe's craftsmanship is undeniably impressive. 
and as he shaves his victims down and sculpts them into majestic creatures, the blood that leaks out from their frozen bodies not only paints the sculptures a wonderful deep shade of red, but it also gives off a spectral cloud of steam that only adds to the enchantment of the art pieces. Of course, we mourn for the loss of those sacrificed, but at least they are being memorialized, albeit temporarily, because they'll most likely melt as soon as it warms up here. But all the same, we remember them fondly. Christ, it's cold in here. Hey, Gary? Yes, Watch? You mind throwing another intern on the fire? Sure thing, boss. Gary. That's better. Damn. This is cold as... It's as cold as Necro Nancy's cooter in here. And I'm running out of interns to burn fast. <sighs> Quit that screaming. I'm trying to record a radio show here. It's only fire. Anyways, I hope we can stop Wendigo Joe before Dog Snout County is wiped off the face of the earth. Cannibals are a dying breed, and if the world loses Dogsnout County, then it'll lose touch with one of its most sacred traditions. The sacred tradition of cannibalism, of course. I just hope it doesn't come to that. But I have faith that there may still be hope for Wendigo Joe. Now, this is just me speculating, but I think the human part of him is still intact. I think that the blanket of snow is triggering something deep inside his psyche that's causing his Christmas spirit to come out, albeit in uh, dark and twisted ways, hence why he seems to be decorating the town with human head, Christmas tree stars, and ice sculptures. The human part of him seems to be associating the weather with Christmas time, while the Wendigo part of him is taking those instincts and twisting them into some sort of morbid Wendigo wonderland. Uh, it's just a theory at this point, but I believe that with the right trigger, we just might be able to transform Wendigo Joe back into a human. But what that trigger is, I haven't the slightest idea. All I know is that deep down, the Joe and Wendigo Joe is still in there. Somewhere. And I know he still has love in that ice-cold heart of his. We're going to take a little break here to wait for the studio to warm up a bit and enjoy the delightful smell of intern flesh roasting over a fire. In the meantime, here's a little ditty for you. This is Lonely Winter by Tiny Folk. You and the snow are How can 
Welcome back, folks. Now, as important as it is to keep you updated on this horrible spot we found ourselves in, I'd wager that there's something you guys care even more about, and that's hot celebrity gossip. As you know, Dogsnout County is filled with all sorts of colorful characters, and I know y'all probably want to know how they're handling this whole Wendigo Joe situation. Don't worry, because later in the show, I'm going to tell you how all your favorite socialites are doing. So be sure to stick around. But first, let's take a call from one of our listeners. We have Crimtar the Wise on the line. You might remember him from episode 6 of the show. He's the subterranean humanoid who belongs to the clan of locust people called the Swarm. He and the rest of his people live beneath Dogsnout County, and he has some tips on how to stay warm until we ride this whole thing out. You're on the Backwoods Radio Show. Thanks for joining us today, Crimtar. So, how are you locust folks doing down there? Quite well, actually. The whole reason my people even came to be was because of a situation just like this one. Nearly a hundred years ago, Wendigo Joe reverted back to his primal form, and Dogsnow County was frozen over. Many died, but others had the idea of hiding beneath the town to ride out the storm. My ancestors built a beautiful little community in the catacombs of Dogsnow County, expecting to only be down there for a short while. But to their surprise, Wendigo Joe continued his rampage for nearly a decade. By the time things thawed out in Dogsnow County, our ancestors had become so accustomed to the new subterranean life they had created that... They just decided to stay, and over the course of the next 93 years, my people had evolved into the creatures that we are today. So, quite honestly, this whole Wendigo Joe situation hasn't affected us in the least. Well, I'm happy to hear that, Crimtar. So now, I understand that you wanted to share some tips with us super-terranean folks up here. I do. how offensive that sounds. No worries, Squatch. I know you meant no offense. Well, I sincerely apologize, Crimtar. And I accept your apology, Squatch Ronson. Sorry, I always tend to bog down your show with politics. I do consider myself to be a social justice insect of sorts, and sometimes I just can't help myself. But anyways, let's get on to the matter at hand, shall we? Be my guest. Could you name a few examples for the listeners? Gladly. First and foremost, we have fires going nearly all the time. You see, as humanoid insects, we tend to shed bits of our skin and even old wings to make way for new ones. So we gather up all the old organic material and make bonfires out of it. The materials are quite dry and 
addition to that, when you live in tunnels beneath the ground, air really has no place to escape to. So when a member of the swarm farts, that fart stays with us for all eternity. The smell is certainly something you have to adjust to, but the benefit is that all of the hot gas we expel from our anuses gets trapped down here with us, thus warming up the tunnels. Interesting. My studio is pretty airtight to help with soundproofing, you know, but I never thought to use that to my advantage to warm the place up with my farts. You really are one smart insect person, Krimtar. They don't call me Krimtar the Wise for nothing. Now, I've heard tell that you folks have some sort of subterranean space heaters that you use to keep warm, and they don't require electricity. Can you tell us a bit about those? sounds delightful. Indeed it is. Well, Krimtar, I want to thank you for calling into the show today, and I wouldn't be surprised if you get a whole horde of expats coming down there after they hear this segment. And we would be happy to have them. You take care now, and tell the rest of the swarm I say hello. Will do. Goodbye, Squatch Ronson. That was truly enlightening. I gotta say, diving headfirst into a giant pile of worms has never sounded so appealing to me. But with weather like this, I'd jump into a pool of Mayor Mama's diarrhea if I knew it would keep me warm. Speaking of weather, let's head over to everyone's favorite half-man, half-alligator weather mutant, Gator Gary, for the weather report. Temperature today is nearly 30 degrees below zero. Gary, are, are you alright? Squatch, uh, I don't feel so good. Oh my god, Gary! Gary, what's, what's wrong, buddy? What's wrong? So cold. Shoot, I forgot. Reptiles are cold-blooded creatures. Your beautiful reptilian body can't withstand these cold temperatures. Uh, uh, Squatch, uh, I think I'm dying. Don't you talk that way, Gary. Don't you talk that way now. Gary, you stay with me, buddy. 
Stay with me, Gator Gary. Gary? Gary? Gary, wake up! Wake up, Gary! Curse you, Wendigo Joe! Folks, I'm I'm sorry. I I don't I don't know what I'm I I gotta do something. I I'm sorry. I gotta take a break here. It, it, just, it, here here's a word from our sponsors. Don't you die on me, Gary. You hear me? Don't you die on me, Gator Gary! Are you tired of being decapitated by Wendigos? Hi, Foot Baron here with another amazing offer for Dogsnow County. I don't just collect and sell severed human feet. I also make pesticide products as well. And this is one product you don't want to miss. Foot Baron's patented all-purpose Wendigo repellent. Just one little spritz of this stuff and you can say goodbye to those pesky Wendigos for good. Wendigo Joe has just torn through the roof of my home and is now approaching me with claws drawn and hatred in his eyes. Watch what happens when I spray him with Foot Baron's patented all-purpose Wendigo repellent. Foolish mortal, your snake oil is no match for the wrath of Wendigo Joe. That's where you're wrong, because not only do I have Foot Baron's patented all-purpose Wendigo repellent, but I also have Foot Baron's patented all-purpose extra strength Wendigo repellent. One little spritz of this stuff and you can say goodbye to those pesky Wendigo- Your head will look marvelous on one of my Christmas trees. This message was brought to you by the decapitated corpse of Foot Baron. There. That should do it. Welcome back, folks. I am happy to report that Gator Gary is now in stable condition. I was thinking about that there Empire Strikes Back picture when Han Solo cuts open the Tauntaun and puts Luke inside. Unfortunately, we don't have any animals big enough for me to stick Gary inside of, so I did a sort of reverse Tauntaun situation. What I did is I gathered up all of my interns and disemboweled them and covered Gary in their entrails and then piled their carcasses on top of him. Considering the fact that my interns don't require food, mostly because I choose not to feed them, I figure Gator Gary needs their intestines more than they do. They ain't using them anyways. But now let's get on with the show. 
I'm sure you folks are wondering what's going on with some of your favorite socialites worried about how they might be fending during this Arctic Armageddon we're in the midst of. Well, here comes old Uncle Squatch to the rescue, delivering unto you all the celebrity gossip you crave. King Pork is doing just fine, which might be surprising to hear considering the fact that he lives inside a cardboard box situated under the high tension wires in town, an abode that he calls the Pork Palace. He even has Pork Palace written across the cardboard box and feces. He does this partly to try and further the premise that he's some sort of monarch, but also so that the garbage men don't mistake his quote-unquote castle for an average piece of trash and throw it into the compactor. Anyways, prior to the winter storm, King Pork renovated his cardboard box and filled it up with insulation, which he stole from folks' attics while he was out prowling for pigs to decapitate. He has expressed that he's quite warm with the new setup, but has indicated that he is experiencing a severe skin rash after days of being buried under fluffy pink insulated foam. But I suppose that's better than being turned into a blood-spattered ice sculpture. Millie, owner of Millie's Fire Pit, Dog Snout County's favorite place to dispose of the bodies of the tourists that they slaughter, is actually doing great. Possibly better than anyone else in town because her three-acre backyard is one giant fire pit which emanates a massive scorching bonfire 24-7. In addition to that, Millie suffers from a rare condition called Gremlin Syndrome, which is a disease that if she gets wet, tiny little clones of herself rip out of the skin of her back. So Millie and her little sprites are currently huddled together around hundreds of burning bodies, cozy and safe. Elijah Blaine, founder of the Plasma Pool, that beautiful place where families go to bond together by jumping into a pool of radioactive goo and fusing together into one single entity, seems to be doing alright. The Plasma Pool itself seems impervious to freezing and gives off a bit of warmth itself. Nothing compared to Millie's fire pit, but it might be just enough to keep Elijah warm. Given the fact that his skeleton has gone completely radioactive, glowing neon green due to prolonged exposure to the plasma pool, Elijah Blaine just might be impervious to the Arctic blast as well. Only time will tell, I suppose. Sheriff Bo, being the devoted civil servant that he is, refused to just hole up in his house and wait for things to blow over. Instead, he has been situated at the satanic altar downtown all day, trying his damnedest to open up a portal to hell in an attempt to bring some heat into Dogsnout County and to fend off the Wendigo. Last time the portal to hell opened up, it was because a group of teenagers drew a pecker on the ancient seal, unleashing the devil's wrath. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be working this time. Sheriff Bo has tried drawing penises, boobies, and other lewd doodles on the seal, but to no avail. He even tried defecating on the ancient seal, but even that proved to be futile. He has since resorted to writing Yo Mama jokes on the seal in an attempt to incite Satan himself. His most recent attempt reads as follows. Yo Mama's so fat not even the nine circles of hell are big enough to contain her. If that doesn't bring the devil out, I'm not sure what will. You keep at it, Sheriff Bo. We're counting on you. Old Hank the Crank, owner of Hank's Child Farm, a place that harbors rabid, feral children in cages and rents them out for physical labor, is currently struggling pretty hard. 
Because of the intensely cold temperatures, the feral children have taken to chewing through the bars on their cages and escaping. But given the fact that Hank has strategically placed bear traps with landmines inside of them around the cages, most of the children have exploded, covering the farm and their entrails. Those who managed to evade the bear trap landmines have taken to eating one another, and some are even attempting to break into Hank's abode and feast on his flesh. But of course, Hank foresaw this some time ago and set his house up with a panic room, which in his case is an old refrigerator hidden under a trap door in his crawl space. Even if he manages to survive this problematic situation Wendigo Joe has brought upon us, Hank's business is sure to flounder after losing so many of his assets. By assets, of course, I mean the feral children who have exploded. But, as a silver lining, their entrails that have been scattered across his property and caked onto his home should help keep things warm over at Hank's child farm. At least for a little while. And last, but certainly not least, here's an update on Mayor Mama and her assistant Bagman. While they aren't doing as badly as some of the other folks in town, namely the ones who have been decapitated and turned into Christmas tree stars, they are in a bit of a pickle. As you know, Mayor Mama is roughly 300 pounds and has no arms or legs, so whenever she wants to take a bath, Bagman, the sweaty heavyset fella in fishnet stockings with the burlap sack over his head, has to help her into the tub. Apparently, Mama was planning to have a nice little spa day. Bagman got her blood bath ready as usual, using pure virgin blood of course, and set Mama inside of the tub. Bagman left her side for no more than five minutes to polish his stiletto boots, and in that time, Wendigo Joe showed up and temperatures dropped dramatically. When Bagman returned to the washroom, he found that Mama's bloodbath had become frozen solid, turning Mama into a human ice cube. Luckily, her head was above water, or rather, above blood, when the cold front rolled in, so she's still able to breathe just fine. Bagman is currently trying to chisel Mama out of the blood sickle, but for now, she is indisposed. She wishes that she could be here for us in our time of need and is hoping to be chiseled out by the end of the day. Now, we're nearing the end of the show, but before we sign off for the day, I want to give you all a quick traffic update. For once, the only road in our one-road town is actually totally freed up, mostly due to the fact that everybody in town has barricaded themselves inside of their homes. But if you were planning a trip, now would be the time to go, as there's not a single car on Main Street at this time. Now if you... Wait a sec. I... I see something in the distance. It looks like... Wendigo Joe is stomping down Main Street and... My God. He's headed right for the radio station. Gary, hurry, lock the door, you... Shit. He's still incapacitated. Uh, um, I gotta think, gotta think. I got it. Maybe I, I can slaughter all my interns and pile them up in front of the door. No. Damn it. I, I forgot I already killed them and Gator Gary needs them for warmth. Shit. Squatch Ronson. 
I've heard you spewing lies about me on your worthless podcast. Lies? What, what did I say about you? I'm just doing a radio show. You had the gall to accuse me of having love in my heart? I'm sorry. I, I meant no offense. Silence! As the great American band One Republic once said, it's too late to apologize. Joe, I know you're still in there somewhere. You can hear me. Please stop this madness. Damn, it's not working. Uh, maybe if I sing his favorite song. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. I think it's working, folks. Squatch, I can hear you, but the Wendigo is too strong. Silence, puny human. You are no longer in charge of this vessel. Now, where were we? Damn, I almost had him. I'm gonna keep trying. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Keep singing your mortal tune. It will do no use. I was once lost, but now am found. Wait, I was once lost, but now am found. The dagger in the lost and found. Come any closer and I'll stab this silver dagger right into your cold black heart. <laughs> you fool. Even if you were to get close enough to stab me, I would twist your head off like a bottle cap before you even had a chance to scream. You're forgetting one thing. I'm Squatch Ronson. I spend my days hunting down tourists to eat, and most of them are much thinner than me, so they usually outrun me. And yet, I catch them every time. Every time. And you know why? Because I wrote the Cannibal Handbook. You know what chapter one is about? Enlighten me. Knife throwing. How did you? Wendigo, please. I'm Squatch Ronson. that folks birds the sun is rising it's warming up how long was I out Gary you're alive the, the sun is back the snow is melting. What's all this all over the floor? Wendigo Joe is what's all over the floor. He exploded into a bunch of shards of ice. But 
Why is there a beating heart on the floor with a knife in it? That's all that was left behind after he exploded. Wait. You defeated Wendigo Joe? I did, Gary. But... How? Remember that dagger that was in the Lost and Found? Well, it was made out of pure silver. And the only way to kill a Wendigo is to stab him in the heart with a silver dagger. Well, I guess that was a happy coincidence then. Actually, I don't think that it was. I think Wendigo Joe knew that this was coming and he purposely left that dagger here so that we could stop him. So, Wendigo Joe gave his life? to save us? But that means Wendigo Joe is gone forever. Not so fast, Gary. There actually is a way to turn a Wendigo back into a human. First, you gotta kill the Wendigo, which I've done. Then, it'll leave behind its beating heart, which it did. That is the heart of the man that the Wendigo used to be. So what you do is you take that heart and you bury it up on a mountaintop. But you gotta be quick, because if it stops beating, then it's too late. After about a year or so, that heart that you buried will grow into a big old tree. And once that happens, I'm gonna hike up the mountain with my handy dandy chainsaw and cut that tree wide open. And you know what I'll find inside? What? Joe. Reborn. Shiny and new. Wow, I never knew that. Well, Gary, that's why you gotta read the Cannibal Handbook. It covers all sorts of useful information like this. Now, if you'll excuse me, I gotta go hike up the mountain and bury this heart before it stops beating. But I should have just enough time to close out the show. Friends, I want to thank you for listening to today's show and sticking with me through this whole ordeal. I don't know if I could have done it without you. The moral support you bring with you to each and every episode is what keeps me going. But boy, after today, I am exhausted. I think I'm going to need a little vacation. So consider this the season finale. I'm going to take a couple of months off to enjoy some peace and quiet but we'll be back with season two before you know it. And be sure to keep this show in your feed, because I still plan on releasing little bits of content while I'm off the air. I've been Squatch Ronson, and you've been one heck of an audience. But before I go, here's a little parting gift for you. Folks, never judge a book by its cover, because a lot of books come with covers that you can take off. You could take the cover of Mein Kampf and put it on the Bible, and it still won't change what's inside. So remember, it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. All that matters is what's in your heart. And deep down, every heart is pure, even if that heart is trapped inside the chest cavity of a bloodthirsty Wendigo.
The Backwoods Radio Show is produced by me, Michael LaRusso. Featuring music this week by Kevin McLeod, Jason Shaw, Purple Planet, Cellophane Sam, and Tiny Folk. Season 2 of the podcast will premiere in a few months. But to tide you over till then, be sure to follow Squatch Ronson on Instagram, at Squatch Ronson. I won't.